This week on Personally Speaking, our guest is Archbishop Christopher Cardone, Archbishop of the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific, a, an American guy who has made a remarkable difference in the life of the Catholic Church in the South Pacific. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Archbishop Chris Cardone joins me now. Archbishop Christopher Cardone is the Archbishop of Honaria, the capital of the Solomon Islands. He was born in Brooklyn and attended Chaminade High School, a Marianist high school on Long Island, New York. Archbishop Chris graduated from Providence College and did his seminary studies in Washington, D.C. at the Dominican House of Studies, where he received a bachelor's degree in sacred theology and a master's in divinity. In 1988, he answered the call by the Australian Dominican Friars to spend three years as a Solomon Islands missionary, teaching and doing pastoral work. His three-year commitment in the Solomon Islands got extended four times. And then in March of 2001, he was appointed by Pope John Paul II to be Auxiliary Bishop of Giza Diocese. In October of 2004, Bishop Cardone was transferred to be ordinary in Archidiocese. In June 2006, he was appointed Archbishop of Honoria. Over 80% of the people of Solomon Islands rely on subsistence farming for their livelihoods. Access to health and other social services is very limited with poor to non-existent electricity, reliable transportation, or telecommunications. With limited educational and employment prospects, overcoming poverty in the Solomon Islands is an uphill battle. Archbishop Chris Cardone is here with us today to talk about that, the work he's doing in his archdiocese, and what it's like to be an American living in the Solomon Islands. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Archbishop Christopher Cardone. We are here delighted by Archbishop Christopher Cardone from the Solomon Islands. He's the Archbishop there. And uh, Archbishop, first of all, thanks for coming on the program. And secondly, where are the Solomon Islands? And uh, tell us a little bit about the people of the Solomon Islands. Firstly, Monsignor, I'm delighted. Um, say thank you to invite me here to make this presentation. Uh, the Solomon Islands, famous during the Second World War, is about three hours northeast of Australia, and it uh, includes about 900 islands. People live on 300 islands, and there's actually three dioceses. Each diocese covers about 100 islands. The people there, 95% of them are Melanesian people, and in the Pacific, we have three groups of people. The Polynesian people, who we would be most familiar with, would be the people like in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And then there are Micronesian people. They come from smaller islands. The Filipinos would be Micronesian. Okay. And then in our islands, the people are Melanesian. They have uh, dark dark skin, uh, curly hair. And those people live in the Fiji Islands. Uh, Papua New Guinea, which is one of the larger countries in the Pacific, in Vanuatu, and in the Solomon Islands. Now, who brought the Catholic faith to those islands, and how long ago was that? Well, in 1568, the wow. Spanish explorers first went through the area. 
they were looking for the gold of King Solomon. <laughs> and it was this, it was uh, thought that there might be gold in the Solomon Islands. So they just stayed briefly. They planted a cross on the hill where our cathedral is wow. located now, but they did not stay. And then in 1845, the Marist fathers came to the South Pacific, and they were the primary evangelizers. The local people killed the first bishop, and after <laughs> three years, they ran away. But then in 1898, the Marists returned, and the church okay. has been growing since 1898. Um, you know, I, I love to travel, and I love to see the world, but I love to come home. For an American-raised kid to go to an entirely different culture and become part of that culture, how challenging was that for you? Well, it's very challenging. Um, as we all know, growing up on Long Island, we think the world revolves around <laughs> Long Island, and we sure. know it doesn't. But um, as a Dominican friar, I always wanted to be a missionary, and I was sent in 1988 for three years. So it was a three-year posting. And uh, after three years, the Irish bishop, a very wonderful holy man, the late Eusebius Crawford, asked me to spend three more years and then three more years and then three <laughs> more years. So my mom used to always say, when are those three years going to be up? But it's a totally different culture, and it's a, um, a place that has a lot of challenges, but I always say the blessings outnumber the challenges. Before the program, Archbishop Cardone, I was talking about the fact that I, I still have my mom, he still has his dad. How, how tough is it? And I know this is part of religious life, but to maintain contact with family, you love them deeply, you have a very strong family connection, but not be physically with them. Right. Um, obviously, uh, it's always a teary time to depart from your parents whenever mm -hmm. you leave. But uh, I grew up in a strong Catholic family. My brother is a Marianist priest. Right. I have two married sisters. So my parents were very accepting. Uh, originally, I was assigned to Pakistan when I was ordained in 1986. Wow. And I always say uh, that my mother did not want me to go to Pakistan. <laughs> and it was not possible for the Dominicans to get a visa for me to go there. Oh, okay. So mother's prayers. <laughs> when I asked when they asked me to go to the Solomon Islands, I think my mother thought that was more acceptable. <laughs> yeah. And I was fortunate too. Um, over the last 32 years, uh, my dad has visited four times. Mm. My late mom came two times. So I've had family members come to stay with me. And that's always a great blessing. A funny thing, when my mother came the first time, uh, she thought it was beautiful, but she told everybody she would never come back again because <laughs> there's a lot of bugs and it's quite, quite hot. And yeah. then fast forward uh, 12 years later, I had to ring them to say that Pope John Paul II appointed me bishop. So my mother's <laughs> first question was, do I have to go back again? <laughs> Absolutely. Mom. So she came back and had a great time. Now, let's go back to uh, Archbishop Cardone said a moment ago that he has a strong faith background in his family. Would you call it a family that was uh, typically Catholic or very strongly Catholic? Um, I'm wondering how, out of one family, two priests came forward and two women who were deeply involved in their faith, your sisters, what did your parents do right in planting that seed of faith so that it grew so powerfully? Well, I would say that uh, my parents were, you know, deeply Catholic. They, uh, they met at St. John's University. Mm -hmm. They um, uh, would never think of being absent from 
Sunday Mass. Mm -hmm. And we grew up in a wonderful, wonderful parish, St. Raymond's in East Rockaway. And we had wonderful priests and sisters. And I think the fact that we grew up in a strong Catholic family, in a beautiful Catholic uh, community, I think that's where we discovered our vocations. And were they, uh, we talked recently in one of our programs about NIMBY, that everyone wants us to have priests, but uh, somebody else's son. Right. Not so with your parents? Right. Um, my brother, Thomas, who is a Marianist, uh, he's the chaplain at Kellenberg. Um, when he first told my parents that he wanted to be a Marianist brother, uh, my father was totally against that vocation. <laughs> uh, but luckily, he eventually let him uh, join the Marianists. And I think every parent wants to see that their children are happy. He saw that Thomas was very happy there. And then I was a uh, college student in Providence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember telling my dad that I thought I would like to try my vocation. So initially, he was not very happy about that. <laughs> but because he's a man of great faith, he allowed me to, um, to go to join the Dominicans. And his uh, he took me up to the novitiate with my mom. Uh, he gave me the house keys and said, you're always welcome. <laughs> Come home. <laughs> well, tell us for our many viewers and listeners around the world who might not even know what the charism of the Dominican order is. What were you attracted to in them? Why the Dominican fathers? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I met the Dominican fathers when I went to Providence College as a university student. I went as a business major thinking that I would do something in the business world. And uh, I discovered my vocation as a college student, having the opportunity to go to daily mass, having the opportunity to participate in various apostolic activities. And I saw that the Dominican friars were not only interested in university education, but they also did many other things from missionary work to uh, preaching and uh, various mm -hmm. parish ministries as well. But I think I was deeply touched by the men and their community that they were involved in many ministries, and yet they came together three times a day for prayer, mm -hmm. and they were very, very apostolic. As priest and as bishop, archbishop too, uh, Archbishop Cardone has had the experience of, like many of us, John Paul II and Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. When you look back on the two who are now no longer Pope and this present Pope, what has it meant for you as a leader of the church? What do they bring to the job that hopefully helps the work that you're trying to do? Well, uh, all of the modern Holy Fathers have been mm -hmm. exemplary men. Uh, obviously, in grammar school, we had Pope Paul the sixth, I remember when he said mass at Yankee Stadium, yes, right, watching right. <laughs> it on TV and thinking that was a great thing that he came uh -huh. to Yankee Stadium, even though I was a Mets fan. <laughs> and uh, then obviously Pope John Paul II, as a college student, I went to his mass in Boston Common right. as a uh, university student, and that was very impressive. And then to meet, you know, the, I was able to meet Pope John Paul II, uh, three times as a young mm -hmm. bishop, and that was a beautiful experience. And what about Pope Francis? Uh, I mention it because so often a lot of the guests we have on the show are not uh, not necessarily Catholic or Protestant. The Jewish will have people who are agnostic right. and atheist, and especially from the arts community, they so often will say, I was kind of closed off to the church, but this guy, Francis, appeals to me because he seems to have an open mind and disposition. Again, what do you make of them? Well, um, 
each Holy Father has his own different yeah. styles and charisms. The Pope Francis is a Jesuit, so he brings yes, right. uh, Jesuit spirituality and liturgy to the papacy. But uh, the most impressive thing for me as a bishop is the cross that Pope Francis wears. Mm. He wears not the heavy golden cross of the Pope, but when he was Archbishop in Buenos Aires, he wore a stainless steel cross that had the image of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the whole message of being close to the sheep, smelling the sheep, mm -hmm. and being a, uh, a Pope who lives not in a fancy apostolic palace, but yeah. he lives with uh, priests and bishops in Casa Santa Marta. In 2018, I had the opportunity to be with my family to meet the Holy Father, mm. and that was very impressive. Uh, so I think he is emphasizing the fact of the Good Shepherd um, yeah. laying down his life for the sheep and being close to the sheep. I actually, um, I just ordered nine of the Pope's uh, crosses. Oh, I always <laughs> give them to new bishops when they're oh, that's uh, ordained. Yeah. And uh, two months ago, I was invited to be the um, homilist at the ordination of an Anglican bishop in the Solomon Islands. Uh, and I spoke about Pope Francis's cross and I gave him a copy great. of Pope Francis's cross. So I think the emphasis of Pope Francis is surely uh, being the good shepherd, wanting to be close and wanting to be able to uh, smell the sheep. Before the program began, Archbishop Cardone and I were talking about uh, what's the disposition of the people of the Solomon Islands uh, toward Americans as he was coming to be their bishop from America. And of course, uh, he mentioned that in World War II, the Marines were the liberators of the Solomon Islands when they had been possessed by the Japanese for a while. But coming as you do as a priest and bishop from America, warm and welcoming or uh, resistant? Um, the people, uh, interestingly, up until about 1920, they were headhunters and cannibals. Oh, so when the missionaries first came, they had a hard job, and <laughs> some of the missionaries were killed by the local people. But um, I didn't have to experience any of that in my, yes. uh, my time there. But the people were very uh, warm and friendly, and they saw the Americans as liberators. I live on the island of Guadalcanal, and Guadalcanal was the battle that stopped the advance of the Japanese in the South Pacific. So mm -hmm. the people really see it as a great blessing that the Americans came. And just one example, if a Japanese guy wanted a coconut, he would chop down the coconut tree. If an American <laughs> wanted a coconut, he would give a local kid a Hershey bar and okay. he would climb the tree for him. But uh, the Americans were, uh, were very kind to the local people and mm -hmm. the local people cooperated uh, with the um, with the Americans. Is it a democracy? It's a parliamentary democracy. It was a okay. British uh, protectorate, and now it's a Commonwealth country. So we have um, a prime minister and a governor general, and uh, we have the blessing of no separation of church and state there. Mm. So it's, uh, it's, it has its advantages. Right, right. And uh, similar to Europe in some ways. Right. I know Germany has state support for Catholic schools. Right. Just one that be small example, thing? which I wish we had this in America. Um, our Catholic schools, and that's a big ministry of the church and the other churches, the teachers receive the same wages as the public school teachers. Wow. The exact same wages. So uh, I appreciate an interesting thing. what the Catholic schools right. bring to the people. So we're able to open schools 
and we're in this situation, we're opening parishes, opening schools, and opening convents. And in many places, uh, that's not happening. What is the vocational story there, Archbishop? I mean, uh, I know when you got there, there were fewer priests. Now there are more. Tell us how that happened. Right. And, uh, and who makes up that? Are they priests from other lands? Or are they priests from the islands themselves? Right. Another interesting story I always like to tell when I give uh, mission talks. Uh, when I went there in 1988, we only had 10 native local Solomon priests and we had 50 missionary priests uh, from Ireland, Australia, the United States, and other English-speaking countries. Now, 32 years later, we have more than 70 local priests, mm-hmm. less than 10 missionary priests, and we have 40 guys in the major seminary. Uh, so that's really a great statistic. Great. And we also, in our uh, second largest diocese, we have our first local native bishop. And the work of the missionary is to put yourself out of a job. Right, right. right. So I hope in the next three to five years, I can put myself (laughs) out of a job and that we have a local archbishop. It's interesting that for so many years, we were sending missionaries around the world. You're one of them. But uh, now in America, without priests from other foreign countries, uh, we certainly wouldn't be able to staff the parishes and the church that we have. Right. Um, It's a wonderful turnaround. Right. So one day you're hoping that there isn't an American archbishop. Right. And uh, we have the experience of sending some of our Solomon priests to work in Papua New Guinea in okay. places that dioceses need uh, help. And uh, it's been my job as the archbishop to send guys to do uh, further studies and mm-hmm. to uh, have different experiences. So I have uh, two priests in Rome at this oh, present great. time and uh, a third just came back. So um, we're really trying our best to train the local priests to be good pastoral uh, leaders. I want to talk about teaching styles. Um, One of the first bishops I got to interview many years ago was Cardinal Basil Hume uh, from London. And I asked him, uh, about some, how do we best get church teachings across to the people? And he said, the church must teach its truth as it has the vision to see that truth. But it has no power unless it teaches, as he said, with the the compassionate face of Jesus Christ. That was his way. What is Archbishop Chris Cardone's most effective way of teaching gospel? That's a very good question. Uh, We have uh, what I think are good Catholic schools that are doing their best to give the teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. We use the catechism, the uh, catechism of the church. And also uh, we have the blessing that um, most of the priests, the 70 priests, are, are young priests. Mm. And we do a lot of teaching in our Catholic youth programs. So we have um, a lot of lessons that are taught by the priests and religious in connection with the Catholic youth uh, programs that we have. Like in our cathedral, we have about 450 Catholic youth. Wow. So a large part of their formation is... Uh, having retreats and having formation programs directed Mm -hmm. at the teachings of the church. We also run a lot of uh, sports programs. Like this year is the year of St. Joseph. All of our parishes in the archdiocese had an eight-day program with the youth. So at the cathedral parish, we teamed with the two neighboring parishes. We had 3,000 Catholic youth for a week's program. And... The kids had mass at 5 a.m. on the <laughs> soccer field. They had formation 
from mass time until 10 o'clock every day, formation talks by mm -hmm. priests and the sisters. Then they played soccer from 10 to 4. At 5, they had the rosary. And then we had other cultural programs in the evening. So all the kids in the archdiocese know everything there is about St. Joseph mm -hmm. and uh, current issues in the church from teaming with our youth leaders and our young priests to do this catechesis. How well, because you went there as a young, energetic, athletic priest, how well have you handled the natural process that all of us born in the 1950s go through of aging? Right. Uh, I must say that when I first went there, I could uh, run, I could play <laughs> volleyball, I could easily jump in the many boats that we have to travel in. So uh, I'm trying to do as much as possible, but it's definitely uh, slower and I can no longer no longer play volleyball with you. My job now is to is to pay for the soccer ball and to pay for the volleyball. So and you're doing a great job. I know yes. that. Um, for those who don't know, uh, I, I attended a mass that Archbishop Cardone celebrated some years ago and was uh, thunderstruck by his command of this kind of pidgin English spoken in the Solomon Islands. Uh, can you explain what, what pidgin English is? Right. In the islands... Uh, we have about 70 different tribal languages. Okay. So the language that the people use to communicate uh, most freely is called Pidgin English. Mm -hmm. And it's a language that was put together by traders to enable them to communicate. So we actually have the Mass and the Bible, the whole Old Testament and New Testament are in Pidgin, Pidgin English. English. Okay. And just for an example, like the word for resurrection is Time Jesus, him he die, him he life back more. Wow. So okay. the word for resurrection it's all is life, <laughs> life back more. So that's the main language that I would preach in every okay. Sunday. And we have the great blessing that uh, the church is still the center of people's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, we have about 8,000 people that come to our cathedral on Sunday and and 70% of that crowd is under age 30. Mm. So I'm always the oldest person at, <laughs> at every mass. Well, what a hopeful sign that is. Right, so, it know. is. So how did you learn? Um, I just learned the pidgin language and the other local languages by just being with the people. I always say you can learn the pidgin English if you go to the market every day and you talk mm -hmm. with the people and you listen to the children, children are very good instructors uh, <laughs> okay. in, in languages. One of the things that we deal with in America, not just in America, but in many places around the world is recovery from the, uh, the heartbreaking experience of the scandals. Was that ever something the church and the Solomons had to deal with? Um, we have had, uh, a very minimal amount of cases of abuse. Okay. Every diocese in the world has protocols and we're doing education about child mm -hmm. abuse and the whole idea of, you know, scandal in the church. So um, I've been Bishop for, for 20 years in three different dioceses. I've only had one case of uh, sexual abuse of a priest that was involved with an underage. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. Right. That's it's amazing. So you, you're not running from the problem. You're dealing with it. Right. But happily, it has not been something that it has not you. been such a scourge in the church. And uh, we get the stories of things that are happening yeah. around the world. And we're trying to educate the people, even though we're a, a small and poor diocese. We right. have an office of child protection. Good, uh, good. 
another American phenomena, again, not just limited to America. We're living in a state here in New York where uh, they have now passed legislation that it's called so-called no-fault divorce. Right. Is the family in the Solomon Islands, do they grapple with that? Or is it, in fact, usually intact families? Right. Uh, in most places in the third world, the sense of family, it's, it's really tremendous. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that we don't have any divorce, but it's right. really, uh, it's not all that common. And it's a culture that we have nobody that's homeless, nobody that's hungry, and we have no nursing homes in the whole country. <laughs> so people look after one another and people look after especially old people and the poor and that's great. people that don't have strong sense of family right. and working it out. Right. And the church is always promoting uh, Catholic family life and Christian family life in the other churches. As you have uh, probably picked up by listening to Archbishop Cardone, uh, while it sounds like a, a wonderful place, the Solomon Islands and the church in which he has the privilege to serve, uh, certainly like many third world areas, there are challenges economically for the church there. Archbishop, Americans listening to a program like this, uh, what can they do to give support and help to the mission that you, you've taken on? Um, if anybody wants to give a gallon of gas, that would be great. <laughs> uh, obviously, the American church is very helpful. Mission mm -hmm. Sunday, we get uh, collections. We, we're the recipient of uh, help from Mission Sunday. And also many people support the Solomons through the mission appeals that happen mm -hmm. in our parishes. And obviously, people give me many donations, yeah. too. Uh, that's great. So how would people do that if they wanted to, in some way, support specifically the, the Solomon Islands? Is there a place to write or an email address or something? Right. Um, <coughs> they could send a donation through your office. Uh, and I promise the Dominican missions, on. the Dominican <coughs> missions, excuse me. Uh, and any donation, large or small, would be greatly accepted. Uh, a check could be made out to the Dominican missions, okay. and then you would write Solomon Islands on the memo line. Mm -hmm. And if it could be sent to your office here, or Good. Uh, that would be the easiest way. And we are, of course, here at Our Lady of Lourdes in beautiful Massapequa Park. And I'll uh, make sure when we're doing the, uh, the wrap-up at the end that I'll mention the address. If you have money to support the Dominican missions, uh, I'm promising you it will get directly to our friends at the Solomon Islands. You know, when I remarry or witness remarriage 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, one of the questions I ask the couples always is, uh, looking back over the 50 or 60 years, would you do it again? So, Father Bishop, Archbishop Christopher Cardone, would you choose priesthood? Would you choose missionary work? Uh, I love being a priest. I love being a bishop, mm. and I would go wherever the Lord sends me, even to the Solomon Islands. Well, even to the Solomon yes. Islands, and yeah. apparently it's a big part of your life now. Right. I want to thank uh, Archbishop Cardone for being with us and for sharing uh, some of what life is like in the Solomon Islands. And I think for many of us, this is a, a new and broad education in a world we don't know, but it sounds wonderful. Uh, people working together, no nursing homes, no COVID, people supporting and loving each other, people staying married, people trying to work it out. Uh, and the faith growing in leaps and bounds. So many young people taking an interest in the faith. So many young priests coming forward who are native indigenous clergy. It's a one, it sounds like a wonderful place. And Marcia, thank you for sharing with us your world. And uh, now it becomes more of our world. Thank you, Monsignor. It's been a great blessing. Thank you. Thank you. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any comments or questions, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. Personally speaking, is also on YouTube. 
Just go to Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Osanti, and don't forget to click like and subscribe. You can also get our podcast at personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com or go to www.closeencountertv.com. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Osanti. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Janovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.